This is the Baltimore Annapolis Psychotherapy Podcast. The information shared in this podcast is not a substitute for seeking help from a licensed mental health professional. And now, here's Laura Reagan, LCSWC, with today's episode. Hi, welcome to today's episode of the Baltimore Annapolis Psychotherapy Podcast. I'm Laura Reagan, your host, and today I'm going to be talking about a subject that is near and dear to my heart. This July, as I'm recording this, um, it's the summer before my oldest child goes off to college, and it's a an experience that many parents have. We all have, as parents, the experience of our children once they reach adulthood, beginning their adult lives and separating themselves from their family of origin, which is their parents and themselves. And it can be a really overwhelming time and confusing for both the child who's maturing into adulthood as well as for the parents and other family members as well. So I wanted to talk about that today because I know I'm not the only person who's going through this process, um, you know, hundreds of parents at from my child's high school are experiencing the same thing. And at, of course, at high schools, everywhere. So I wrote a blog post about this on my blog, which is on my website. The blog's called Connect With Your True Self blog. And it's on my website, lauraregan.lcswc.com. There'll be a link in the show notes if you want to read the blog post. Um, And I'll kind of go through what I talked about in the blog and expand on that a little bit. So in May, I wrote this post prior to the day that my child graduated from high school. And I was having all these feelings as a parent for myself. And I know this is common. Um, We are striving for our child to complete high school hoping for them to go on to a career, whether that is achieved through college, um, technical school, apprenticeship, or going out into the world and finding their career after high school or the military. And I'm sure there are some other paths I'm not thinking of right now. Whichever way your child is getting there, that's wonderful. For our family, it was that we were hoping our child would complete high school successfully and go on to college and complete college successfully and then begin a career that he finds fulfilling and can support his family if he chooses to have one or support himself with. So that's what you're striving for. You're you're encouraging them to work hard, get good grades so that they'll be able to get into college and find out what they want to do with the rest of their lives from that point. That's that's what we were focused on. So you're so happy as they do get through high school, they graduate and then apply for college. Well, of course, they've already applied before graduation, but they apply for college, they're accepted. And you know, I felt overjoyed that my son was able to achieve this. Because until it happens, you don't know for sure what's going to happen. However, there were some other feelings that I was noticing or not noticing. And 
those feelings really caught me by surprise. As a therapist, it probably shouldn't have been such a surprise, but that's the thing about your own emotions. We always have blind spots and things that creep up on us, no matter what you know, how you feel isn't always in connection with what you know and understand intellectually. I think that's true no matter who you are. So I found myself happy, satisfied that he was doing what we had hoped he would do and also feeling really sad and thinking about how I was going to miss him. So as a parent of an adult child, I'm responsible for my feelings about how it's going to be in our family when my son is in college and he won't be here for us to spend as much time with as we as we have before he leaves. He hasn't left yet as I say this, so um, I'm responsible for dealing with how I feel about that sadness and loss, but if I'm not aware of it, it's just going to be a factor in how I act towards him and my mood in general. At the same time, my son surely must be having his own feelings about making this transition, leaving his family to live his adult life. I'm sure he probably feels excited and at the same time nervous and wondering how this change will affect his life. So as a parent, it's my responsibility to be there for my child and helping him cope with the way he feels. How do I do that if I'm not really aware of how I feel? And the answer is, I think it's very difficult to do that, which is why I'm bringing this up today for the podcast is so that those of you who are parents and are going through this same type of experience can think about how are you feeling about it and what are you doing with those feelings? I think the important thing about letting go is that It's hard to do for us as parents, and sometimes I think those um, very conflictive types of interactions that we can have with our kids can be a part of that difficulty in being able to let go and let them become adults and go out to live their adult lives. So maybe it feels better if it's done as a big argument where both are mad at each other. The parents are mad at the child and the child's mad at the parents and no one wants to be around each other. It makes it easier to separate rather than the sad letting go when you don't really want them to leave, but you do want them to leave because you know that's the right thing for them. And they don't really want to leave, but they want to leave because they know it's the right thing for them. That's a lot more confusing than just screaming at each other and saying, I never want to see you again. And good, I'm glad you're leaving. And, um, but that doesn't actually feel good at all. It feels terrible. So as parents, those of you who are listening, I hope that this podcast episode will be helpful in helping you explore how you feel and what you can do about those feelings. As always, this is not a substitute for therapy, but just something for you to think about. And I'll give a few tips that might be helpful in how you can address these feelings. So I'd like to point out that one of the things that can happen as parents is our relationships with our children 
meet some of our own emotional needs, beginning with when your child is born, um, the relationship that you had with your parents as you were a child affects how you interact with your child when your child is born and what kind of parent you become. So if you have all this love to give and you never felt like you got the love you needed from your family, then you may want to be that parent who showers your child with all the love you never received, which is so admirable. And at the same time, your child is giving you that love back and they look up to you and it's wonderful. But the child isn't there to meet our adult needs. We are there to meet the child's needs. So if the child is meeting your emotional needs through your caregiving, then it may be really hard for you to let go of them. If them needing you is important and they don't need you as much when they become adults, which is the goal, we don't want them to have to need us all the time. We want them to be able to go out and live as adults independently and come to us when they want some advice, but really we want them to be able to make it on their own. So if your child needing you is an important part of your identity, what happens when your child doesn't need you as much? At the same time, if you're used to having your emotional needs met through your caregiving, you are probably someone who really isn't used to having your own emotional needs met or being able to meet them on your own. Therefore, having your child go away and not need you as much might make it really hard for you to understand what your purpose is. Therapist, we've all had that moment. You wake up in the middle of the night. Oh my gosh, did I do my notes? Well, you don't have to worry about that anymore when you use therapy notes. Therapy notes makes it easy to write your notes, get them done quickly, but thoroughly. My group practice has used therapy notes for six years and everyone always finds it easy to use. But the best thing is if you do need help, you can call their customer service number and a person answers the phone. And anytime I've ever had to use it, which is maybe three times in the past six years, my issue has been resolved easily with a cheerful demeanor in 15 minutes or less. So I highly recommend Therapy Notes. And don't forget, go to therapynotes.com and use promo code chat to get two free months. I think that's what they call empty nest syndrome. What do we do now? Our kids don't need us. They're out of the house and getting along fine. Now, what are we supposed to do? What's my purpose if I'm not supposed to be taking care of my kids? And I think that's a normal adjustment. At the same time, if you are unaware that you're feeling this way, um, those feelings are going to be affecting you a lot more than you realize and you won't know what's happening. So what happened to me is that intellectually, I understood that I was probably having some feelings about my son leaving, even though I told myself, well, it's not really time to feel this way. He's just getting close to graduation. He hasn't moved out yet. He's still here for the whole summer. So I can start feeling this way in August. But right now, I don't know what's going on with me. Of course, in reality, it doesn't really matter when 
it was supposed to happen or when I should be feeling that way, that is the way I felt. So I realized something was going on when I was being more forgetful and I overlooked something that had been important to myself um, and felt terrible about it. So I had to ask myself, what is going on? What am I feeling right now? And what I realized is that I was having some feelings about my son graduating, even though I wasn't really sure what they were. Whenever I don't know what I'm feeling, that's a clue. To me, that's a clue that it's some of my old stuff and I need to take care of what I need in that situation. So whether I want to feel that way or not, it is how I feel and I need to go ahead and take care of what I need. So how do you do that? Well, um, we have our defenses that keep us protected from the unpleasant feelings that we don't enjoy feeling. And in situations that bring up a lot of emotion, those defenses tend to spring into action without us even realizing it. That was what was happening with me. So I had to figure out what was going on. Um, as I said in my blog, and you know, this is a quote I've heard before, but I'm not sure who said it originally, but the only way out is through. You have to break through the defenses and let the feelings out. Otherwise, you're being controlled by feelings that you aren't even aware of what's happening. Um, and I believe that's what happened with me with this important thing that I forgot about and caused me to be so upset after I realized that I had overlooked it. So some strategies that I recommend to clients in these situations are journaling. If you don't know what you're feeling, then take some time, give yourself some space, take a notebook or a special journal that you might have and sit down and write. You can use prompts like, how am I feeling right now? Or what am I not getting? What's blocking me from being able to feel how I'm feeling inside? For me, I, I did this. I asked myself, how do I feel about the graduation? And as I started writing, what I tend to do, because I'm an intellectual type of person, is that I write, I don't know what's bothering me. I don't know why I am feeling this way because nothing's really wrong and I'm happy. And so why do I feel like this? And as you start to write, it starts to come to your attention. So if you can notice what's happening in your body, notice any sensations. Are you starting to feel anxious? sad? Do you feel body sensations like throat tightening, chest tightening? Um, are you beginning to feel tears in your eyes? Write down what you notice and just keep noticing as you're writing and as you're noticing. As you do this, you become more aware of what's really going on. Um, it might sound simple, but it really can be so helpful. Sometimes writing in a journal isn't an option for you. Maybe you, I hear from people often that they're concerned about someone else might read it and what they would think. Um, of course, you should have privacy for any journaling you do, but that's not always true in reality, um, that other people will respect your boundaries about that. So another option is art journaling. Art journaling is good whether you enjoy writing um, with the written word alone or not. But uh, one thing about art journaling is that 
often there are less words involved. And so someone who might come upon it is not likely to understand really what you were trying to say. So it might feel safer. Um, Some things that you can do with art journaling, there are millions of ways you can do it. And I'm not an art therapist, but um, some simple things that you can do with art journaling are collaging. So finding images, whether in a magazine, online, or in a book that you want to cut out and they represent something about the way you feel and you want to put them on the paper and see what happens. You can draw your responses to the prompts I mentioned earlier, like how am I feeling right now or what is blocking me? Or you can pick up whatever you want to use, um, pencil, chalk, paint, marker, um, oil pastels, watercolors, And just see what happens if you try to connect with the feeling and put it down on the page. You might not really know what that represents, but it's still letting it out. And that's the point, is letting it out rather than holding it in. Another useful technique for feeling this way, um, and I'm referring to feeling as if something is bothering you and you just really don't know what it is, uh, meditation can be really helpful with that. Meditation, mindfulness practice um, in which you take the time to sit and just be present with what's happening. You're not trying to block anything out. You're noticing how your body feels. You're noticing the thoughts that are going through your mind and any feelings that you are experiencing. So as you practice mindfulness meditation, and you notice what you're feeling, or you're journaling through writing or art or another way, and you're noticing what you're feeling, then it's important to be kind to yourself about this. So on my blog post and in my practice, I frequently recommend the free guided meditations that are on the website of Kristen Neff, a researcher who focuses on self-compassion and her website is called selfcompassion.org. I'll have a link in the show notes. Um, It's okay for you to feel how you feel and trying not to feel it will not actually make it go away. Allowing yourself to feel it and just move through it is the best way to reduce those painful feelings. I've often heard and I strongly agree that when you try to ignore the way you feel inside, it's basically like trying to ignore a two-year-old who's throwing a temper tantrum. They get louder and louder and louder. It's the same with your feelings. When you ignore them, rather than going away, they just keep popping up more and more, kind of trying to force you to say, what's going on here? What do I need to attend to? Loving kindness meditation is a great thing to do in this time when you have those types of feelings. It's been helpful to me. Um, But another thing that's really helpful is to practice gratitude. What I found is here I was grieving my son leaving in May before he even graduated from high school when he's not leaving till August. So yeah, I was telling myself, well, I shouldn't feel this way because he's not leaving for three more months. But I did feel this way. So Instead of telling myself not to feel that way, I tried to intentionally focus on practicing gratitude, appreciating 
what is happening right now? Right now, I had, at that time, I had three more months before my son would leave. So how can I appreciate the time that I get to spend with him now? And it's not even just, okay, son, we're going to spend every day together till you leave. Good luck with that. That's not happening. But rather, it's how lucky am I to have a wonderful son that I have a great relationship with, someone who's contributed so much as a part of our family and will continue to. And how proud am I of my son? You know, being grateful for that and experiencing those moments because this helps me remember that, yes, he's leaving in the fall for college, but really, no, you never know when the next day um, everything could change. And so experiencing gratitude for this present moment And just how wonderful it is, that is enough. Just this moment. That helps me. As I said in my blog, and I do keep this in mind, no matter what's happening, no matter whether it's about letting go of my son when he goes to college or other things that are are unpleasant that happen throughout life, no matter what's happening, I woke up. And right now I'm still here. So what can I feel gratitude for about that? If it's just the fact that I'm, I'm here, I'm alive and I'm breathing. That's just a basic starting point. Keeping a gratitude journal can be a very valuable way to practice joy and focus on the positive things that are happening to remind you about what's really important to you in your life. I have a planner. I live by my planner. And it has it actually has a little space on each page that says, Today I'm grateful for. Uh, I don't always use it, but it's a very lovely way to just keep in mind. And I can always be grateful for something. It might be the birds chirping. Huh. <laughs> just heard birds chirping on key on cue when I said that Um, it can be the flowers it can be that it's not as humid that day Um, our air conditioning being working on a hot day uh, having a roof over my head being alive you know there there's always something to be grateful for and a gratitude journal helps you keep track of that and remember to focus on that because the unpleasant things that happen always stand out more Uh, Some people incorporate daily gratitude practice into meditation time. I think that is a very beneficial thing to do. And um, other people use gratitude journals separately from other journals. It's whatever works for you. So I followed my own advice and I was able to get tuned in with how I was really feeling, which helped those feelings get back into balance. I had to let out how I feel, be compassionate towards myself with those feelings. And I, I felt like myself again, when I did that, being more mindfully present and being aware that it's a bittersweet transition. And that's part of life. Another piece of that is big picture. As parents, we must practice self care. I've been talking to some people recently about self-care and when I mention it, I'm 
I talk about it so much that I'm kind of surprised that they look at me blankly and they, I recognize that they don't even realize what I'm talking about when I say self-care. So to make sure that you understand when I'm talking about self-care, I'm talking about attending to what you need. What are your needs? As parents and caregivers, we often find ourselves doing and thinking about what everyone else needs and seldom thinking about what we need. Our culture definitely promotes us staying very busy, do as much as we can, be productive, and that's great. But if you don't take time for self-care, eventually you're going to feel burned out, whether it's as a parent or in work, volunteering, um, caregiving responsibilities in the family, problem solving for everyone else. You know, you may not be a parent, but you may be the one that everyone comes to with their problems within your family and you feel responsible for making it better for them all the time. But since you're the one everyone comes to, who do you go to? Um, maybe you do have someone that you can talk to who helps you take care of your emotional needs, but if you don't, then it's important to practice self-care. And I talk a lot about self-care in my practice, and I will be talking about it a lot on this podcast. As a practitioner, I offer self-care coaching consults that are focused on helping people identify the areas of their lives in which they need more self-care and developing an action plan to put that in place. And then we can continue working together to help implement the action plan if the person wants to. One of the things I'll focus on in this podcast in my interviews with other therapists and, and professionals is how do they incorporate self-care into their lives. And I think that's really important because we can talk about it, we can think about it. And for those of us who are in the helping professions, we all know that it's essential as a part of taking care of other people. You have to take care of yourself. If you are, if a, an incident happens and people are injured and you're also injured, you can't take care of them. You have to take care of your own injury first. Then you can help the other people. And it's like they say, it's a cliche, but on the airplane, if there's a sudden loss of cabin pressure, that oxygen mask drops down. Parents need to give themselves the oxygen first before the children because if they give it to the children and they pass out, the children have no one to take care of them. The parent has to take care of themselves so they can take care of the children. We as helping professionals have to take care of ourselves so that we can take care of our clients. If we're depleted, we are not going to be doing our best work with our clients and clients know that. As a human, if I am telling my clients that self-care should be their priority, but I'm not practicing it, my clients know that. So I have to make sure that I walk my walk. And and that's an ongoing practice that can be challenging because as you know, I mentioned earlier, when I'm experiencing something in my personal life, if I don't make sure that I take care of myself in that situation, then it's going to affect every other aspect of my life. So I try to walk my talk on that. And I'm not perfect. And I know I can't be so I do the best I can. And that's all any of us can do. 
as parents, as helping professionals, as family members, friends, taking care of the people that we care about. So as I mentioned, more information will be available on that in the show notes and the blog post about letting go is available. There will be a link, but I hope this episode today has been helpful in letting you think about how well you attend to your own emotional needs and your self-care needs. Until next time, this has been the Baltimore Annapolis Psychotherapy Podcast. Thanks for listening. Please remember that if you like this podcast, please put a review on iTunes and consider subscribing. That will help me get the word out to more people. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to the Baltimore Annapolis Psychotherapy Podcast with Laura Reagan, LCSWC. For more, visit Laura's website, www.lauraregan.com. LCSWC.com.